Hello and welcome to this special bonus episode of The Dairy Edge. Chagas are running a weekly Let's Talk Dairy webinar series, which is also being made available as a podcast. On this week's webinar, Head of Dairy KT, Joe Patton, joins Stuart Childs to discuss the concept of system drift in dairy farming in Ireland and how people can avoid it. Okay, good morning, everyone, and welcome to this Thursday's Let's Talk Dairy. So today, I suppose, following on from the Open Day a couple of weeks ago, and also dovetailing on to what we were talking about last week in relation to the nitrogen excretion bends and maybe how that could impact on some farms. Um, there's been a bit of talk about system drift. Uh, and basically, uh, we're probably just going to define what system drift is. Um, and I suppose just to put it into context for people, uh, we want to clarify exactly what it is. Because there's a bit of it, from, from my experience anyway, there was a little bit of uh, questioning coming after the open day as to whether people or being considered as having their system drifting already or, or not. So I suppose just to put it in, in to frame the, the outline of what we're talking about today, since quarters went in 2015, there's been a significant increase in production at farm level, obviously, and also an increase in profitability because, of course, people are no longer hamstrung um, or not farming with a hen tied behind their back, as you, we used to describe the quota scenario, uh, because they are able to let cows uh, operate to their potential generally or can try to operate to their potential as much as possible without the worry of running over and having fines and so forth attached to it. However, I suppose there, there's a tipping point. Uh, all of what we've done and all, like there's often criticism of us in the organisation that we're very grass focused, but there's a reason we're very grass focused and the reason is it's the sort of cheapest source of feed that we can provide to all stock, dairy cows or beef cattle or sheep or anything in the country. Uh, and where we get that right, we can have high profitability and still have achieved good output. Um, in years like this, where there's a very good solid milk price and you're looking probably at something that's going to average out maybe 36, 37 centiliter maybe for the year, uh, which is obviously a very solid base price to, work off, uh, price to work off of. The temptation is there to push, push, push to get that extra milk out. I suppose the only thing in a year like this is that feed prices have, um, have drifted up as well. So the, the margin that sometimes can be achieved when milk prices are good may not be as good. And I suppose as we move, as I said, talking about the, the nitrogen excretion issue last week, there are farms that are going to come under pressure from a stocking rate point of view. And the temptation is maybe, to, as I said last week, is to try to hold what you have and find a way of keeping that. But in reality, there may be a possibility that coming back might be the best way forward, if that makes sense. So I've asked Joe to come on and talk about it because himself and Padraig uh, French were talking at the open day on this topic. Uh, I suppose it's important that we clarify the situation around the system drift uh, and, as I said, help people to try and avoid drifting into that scenario is, is really the, the reason that we're talking about this today. So it's basically going back to the fundamentals of good dairy farming in Ireland and it may annoy some people, but that is based on grass. And no matter how many people are on the call or on the webinar today, there's very there's no one on the on this webinar today that isn't utilizing a certain proportion of grass. And we're not stopping people from expanding, but we're suggesting that that expansion has to come from grass-based rather than uh, other inputs. So, Joe, you've a, a bit of a presentation there that, as you, as we were discussing earlier in the year or earlier in the week is something that you'd put a lot of work into a good few years ago and was kind of hidden in the depths of your computer. So the fundamentals haven't changed, really. Are you saying <laughs> I'm just recycling old stuff, sure? No, no, yeah. I'm saying that you've good work done, Joe. 
<laughs> but you're bringing it out again. Yeah, look, uh, yeah, so thanks for the, the invite this morning, any of it. Yeah, look, it was definitely an, an interesting thing standing at the board for a couple of days or three days in, in, uh, in the opening in Moor Park. And we talked quite a bit about, you know, sort of where the current levels of performance are on farms and maybe where the targets are. And I suppose at the time, and it's quite difficult, I suppose we were at pains to, we were at pains to, to say that the targets we had on the board they have to be taken in the round, really, because I think it's dangerous at times when people sort of um, take one target and run with one target only. Like, so for ex- the big one, I think, around uh, and it caused some questions and maybe some some issues uh, after the thing was around stocking rate. Actually, like we stocking rates, you know, maybe up to sixty five, two point six five, two point seven, up at that level. But you know, on the day we had to try and really make the case that or make the point that that's very much contingent on where grass growth is. You know, and the idea that yeah, it's a misrepresentation. Maybe, maybe, maybe we didn't do ourselves any favors on it, but it's a misrepresentation. It's a misrepresentation of what we'd be saying to say that we're saying everyone should be stopped at two point six five feet and a half ton of concentrate, um, uh, and that's it because that's hugely dependent on growth rates, like and on what growth rates would be. So the focus would be we're really saying is unless you have the growth rate in place, really you don't have any business trying to push to those stocks. And the problems I think it's happening and where system drift comes in is that it's probably easier to put the cows on and get up to that stocking rate than it's easier to do the cow side of it than the supply side of it. So we can all increase demand very easily by just loading on more cows. And I think there's a few things uh, that's happening there at farm level. I do think maybe that, you know, um, as fertility has got better and maybe as parlor sizes got bigger, you know, you know, if most a lot of people may be milking at 20 units plus now, an extra 20 cows is seen as another 10 minutes milking when it used to be seen as an extra half an hour milking. And so it's easy for a lot of people to carry a few extra cows, but that does have quite a margin effect at the margin. So when we talk about system drift, I suppose, really, really, I suppose you could look at it another way and say really what we're trying to say is people should just be careful not to sort of drift into too high a stocking rate for the grass that they're growing. I suppose, and you know that's the main that's the main point we wanted to get across. But of course, I suppose some people took that as you know, Chagas were saying everyone should be stopped at two point six five, which is certainly not uh, what we're saying. I would say that like, you can come back yourself. It's still a lot of you've been at a lot of groups over the years in, in your neck of the woods, and you tell me that where people are at in terms of growth rates, probably somewhere in thirteen to fourteen tons. Um, I would have thought um, on good commercial farms. That translates into a stocking rate of maybe 2.3, 2.4 old farm is where it's at, you know. Uh, it's definitely not up where we're talking. So look at, that's a, a bit of clarity that's needed. So maybe we would just, maybe, do you want to just t- take a look at some stuff and we, we just see what, what, where, what system drift could look like, I suppose. And that's maybe, maybe we, we'll take a quick run through that and see does it give us any, does it shine any light on maybe what we were, what we were talking about. So I might just share what you're talking about there and and see where we see, see where we get with that, right? So, are we are we are we up? Yeah, yeah. Just uh, go to the yeah. screen there. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So look, yeah, it's it's back to this idea, you know, that one size doesn't fit all, and that's the that's the problem, you know, that we cannot say that the optimal stocking rate is two point six, two point seven, without men- mentioning what the what the supply is, and unfortunately, you know, the reality is that there aren't enough people out there that know what their supply is. Um, I suppose what we do, we tend to measure it by what's, what's missing out of the system. We tend to measure forage supply 
we don't measure what's grown in a lot of cases. What we end up doing is buying the silage or renting the ground to make up the difference, yet rather than measuring what we have. And that's why that's where the problems, I suppose, start to start to come in because we start we start pushing, you know, we start pushing more cows onto an area that's not fit to carry them. And that's the drift into that type of system, I suppose, we just want to be careful on. So one size doesn't really fit all. And we were very much saying that the last day that, you know, five and a half tons is what you need to be growing per cow in order to sustain the system within the farm, within the boundaries of the farm. So if you're growing 11 tons, for example, you can carry two cows per hectare. If you're growing 14 tons, you'd probably be able to carry something close to 2.5. You certainly won't be carrying up to 2.7 unless you're growing up to 15 and a half tons, which is a big ask technically. Now, you know, there's no point in saying otherwise. It is a, it's a, it's a, it's a big ask. It's a research target, I suppose. Some farms are doing it, but it's it's quite hard to replicate that year on year. But look, if people are increasing in their grass production for sure. But that two point that higher level is, is difficult to sustain over time. So look, I suppose when we talk about herd demand, there's lots of things in here. And I suppose when we talk about systems, uh, Stuart, and system drift, you know, everybody, you, you can argue in a lot of these things, is it a system at all or is it just a, is it just a component of the, of the farms? Because it seems to me, talking to farms over the years, that there seems to be 17,000 dairy farms in the country and 17,000 opinions on systems. Like, you know, that's the... That's the reality. Um, so look at all these things obviously will feed into demand. Um, your calving pattern, your lactation length, obviously, your your life with your cows, your culling policy, whether you call your cows earlier, whether you finish them on farm, all those things will affect your demand. Uh, what affects your supply? Obviously, it's your it's your grace and hectares and, and your growth rate are the big ones, your growth rate and growth pattern. Those are the ones that's going to affect supply. So really, when we talk about when we're, you're talking, you mentioned about you know we're we're pushing very much about a pasture-based system. Really, when we talk about system drift, to me, I suppose it's we're if we end up drifting away from the idea of matching supply and demand uh, within the farm, that's where we start running into you know that's where things start to get marginal in terms of the return, right? So look okay, at well, just, just before yeah. you go on there, go back uh, go back to that previous slide there. Yeah, when, when where you have the external black hectare now, and you've said about the two point seven um, yeah. stacking rate, just clarify that we'd say because most farms that's and that's probably the no uh, can be a bit of the nobody issue as well. Is that the vast majority uh, yeah. of farms in Ireland have an outside black, and Absolutely, how do they yeah. utilize it best? Like, and we fully we fully take that point. Like we we're all living in the real world here that people will have an external block as uh, sure. So look, where are people at in terms of? You know, the external block becomes a, good, a, big, a big issue, I suppose. Look, the thing there is that when we talk about sort of sustaining the herd, that's, you know, if, you know, replacements plus cows plus dry cow feed, etc. Generally speaking, um, whole farm stocking rate is what you're looking at there. And whole farm stocking rate of about, you know, at that level of growth rate across the farm is two, is it generally going to be for that 14 tons growing is about two point, somewhere around 2.3 to 2.4 whole farm. Right, and um, for a lot of people, that might mean something around three cows to the hectare, or three point one cows to the hectare, maybe on grazing, uh, back to two point four old farm. That's kind of where that's the seems to be where the sweet spot is kind of is. But I suppose the issue becomes then: what if there's more outside block available? Do we start pushing on to four cows per hectare, five cows per hectare, six cows per hectare? And that's you know that's where things start getting a bit tricky. But I'd always look at that and say, really, this. Ultimately, if you look at it, at that level of growth rate, three cows per hectare is probably what you can sustain sort of for six and a half months a year on grass. And everything after that is pretty much 
you should really be doing your sums on the basis of an indoor cow, right? And that's the key. That's the funny. Like we're, we're basically we're hiding an indoor system in the middle of a grazing system. So, for example, and we've looked at this on a few farms over the years. If you're stopped at six cows per hectare, for example, you've basically got a three cow per hectare grazing system, and then you've got the equivalent of three cows per hectare that may as well be standing in the shed every day of the year, and it should be costed as such. You know what I'm doing? I'm, doing what I'm trying to say. So, you know, even though they're out by day and in by night, all those things become tactical, I suppose. But when you add up the feed cost over the whole thing, um, it's basically a grazing system with an indoor system sort of mixed in in the middle of it. So oftentimes that complicates the management at farm level because you have, it makes it harder to get paddocks grazed out. It makes, you know, there's obviously issues with, um, with, with heavy stocking rates on paddocks, you know, uh, 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 you know, and moving cows pre and post milking and all those things come into it. So sometimes you wonder that like, you get to a point where, you know, get, get to a certain point in stocking rate where really, you should just be basically saying that I, I effectively now have an indoor system. And if that's your choice, that's your choice, you know, but you just have, you can't, we can't be kidding ourselves saying that, you know, I'm stopped at seven cows to the grazing hectare. Really, there's probably four cows to the hectare of that may as well be in the shed all year. And that's uh, from, an econ- from, a, from a feed budget point of view. Okay, that's the, that's the point. And that's, that is a difficult one. And that's why we do need to look at this probably case by case, but it is a, it's a concept, I suppose, we're trying, to, we're trying to work with people to sort of try and put the numbers on, on that as best we can. So, you know, that's, I'll, I'll just skip a wee bit there because I know we're, we're not going to have a huge amount of time this morning, but I just wanted to skip to something that if you look here, this is, maybe tells me something um, about what we're talking about. That's milk and platform stocking rate versus feed cost per litre at farm level, right? That's from, from Profit Monitor Day. Now, you would expect, wouldn't you, you would expect from research to, that, you know, your feed, the milk and platform stocking rate and feed cost per litre would be very tightly, um, would be very tightly linked, right? But really what we see at farm level is that feed cost per litre or purchase feed cost per litre as defined is a bit all over the place uh, as, as it relates to stocking rate. And that's because we have a whole variation of things going on. There's a variation in how much grass has been grown. There's variation on how much grass has been grown at the outblocks. There's variation on how much concentrate has been fed per cow. And there are a lot of farms out there that feed, the, that feed concentrate on a per cow basis rather than on a, on a they feed it, you know, obviously they're going to feed on a per cow basis, but it's, you know, they're going to be feeding X level of concentrate almost irrespective of the stock. You know what I mean? You know, you can see farms there that are at two cows per hectare, maybe milk and platform stocking rate, spending six and seven cent, eight cent a litre on purchased concentrate. Those are the type of farms that probably feed seven kilos of concentrate all spring uh, because that's always what happens. And then you have some people stocked at the same stocking rate that are feeding maybe two and a half, three centiliter um, of, of, um, of concentrate cost. So there's, there's a massive variation in and around that. And I suppose, look, we don't want to, you know, we have to be careful. We don't want to be, we're really, it's not our job to be sort of, you know, be, 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 be hammering at people or preaching at people. But all we're trying to say is here that, you know, there, there are indicators within the data that of what we can see actually drives profitability. And I suppose what we want to try and do is marry what people want to do in terms of their own approach to their own system and try and see what, how much of that, what is, what is that contributing to profit uh, relative to what, where it could be, I suppose. 
Um, and you would be saying that, you know, if you look at, for example, farms that are at two cows to the hectare feeding eight centiliter on feed costs, there aren't that many of them in the data set. But our objective, let's say, for those farms is to try and maybe say, okay, do you need to be feeding that level of concentrate for that level of stocking rate? Can you do something on your grass growth that will, 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 that you can sustain more of your milk production from your own grass resources? When you get up to here and up to four and a half, five cows per hectare, maybe the discussion for those type of farms is, you know, is it paying you at, on a hectare basis to be bringing in the extra feed? And then you look here, maybe at a cow to the acre type stocking rate, and you're saying, well, look at some of the farms down here, they might be um, underfeeding their cows actually uh, relative to what they're growing. So there's a, there's a range of issues across all that spectrum that, that makes it very difficult for anybody to walk away saying, well, there's a, you know, there's, there's a single solution sort of for everybody. But so really, if you look at it, farms here, they need to look at why are they feeding so much at a low stocking rate. Some of the farms down here, you'd have to look at how much milk they're producing per cow. Are they, are they underfeeding cows maybe perhaps at certain times of the year? Maybe they are, maybe they aren't, depending on the growth rates. And up here, that maybe the sustainability of the stocking rates might be, might be the issue. So there's a range of issues out there um, that we all gets wrapped up in this notion of system, I suppose. And what we, what we don't want to happen is that people say, well, that's my system and that's it. And therefore the, the conversation ends. Do you know what I'm trying to say? So there's a, there's a lot, to, lot to think about there. Yeah, so I suppose, Joe, just for people maybe that aren't familiar with the, the graph that you have there, like that R square yeah. that's there, if, that, if there was a good relationship between the stocking rate and, and the feed cost, that line would be up at an angle, basically, 45. Yeah, that should be, yeah. That you could read that as saying that's basically 2% of the, 2% of the difference on the farm um, of feed costs is down to stocking rate. So it, the, the relationship between feed costs and stocking rate at the farm level is very weak, but it should be, it should be very strong. In, in, if you think about it, at the research level, you'd expect it to be very strong because you'd say that as I increase my stocking rate, you would expect your, your sorry, your, your, as you increase your stocking rate, you would expect your feed costs to go up. But the issue at farm level is, Stuart, there's, you know, there's such a variation in grass growth, there's such a variation in people's approach to feed and concentrate, there's such a variation in cow type, that all of those issues cloud the, the relationship between stocking rate and feed costs. Whereas if at, a, at a research level, like if you take it was in, say Cortons or in Ballyhays or in Solihead or wherever, you basically start off with the same cow, the same grass growth rate, and then you change the stocking rate and what happens to feed cost changes. You get me? Whereas here, it's all the variation at farm level hides the effect of stocking rate on feed cost. And really what we're interested in is, can we help farmers, each of those individual dots there is a farm, so can we help farmers improve their efficiency um, and move themselves, move them, move the dial that you know that the stocking rate is appropriate for the grass they're growing, and that the feed cost is appropriate for the stocking rate they're at. That's all we're really trying to do here. We're not trying to box people in to this is a good system and this is a bad system. We're really trying to say is look at can we bring stocking rate, cow performance, and feed cost together and put a bit of extra margin on the farms that we're looking. That's the that's what we're trying to do. Now you mentioned about why we're stuck with the grass thing. I suppose the reason that we the reason that we go after the, the grass part of it is that when we look at it on a per hectare basis, and you mentioned the line being a bit straighter, that's the line there for, for how much grass we're grazing per hectare versus net profit per hectare. And that relationship, depending on the year, is anywhere between sort of 50 and 60%. And this data set's a bit lower, but generally speaking, it explains half to two thirds of the variation in profit is down to how much grass you can graze per hectare, right? That's why we go after it. And that's why... You know, that's why we want to try and to get people to say, okay, can I grow a bit more grass? 
Can I can I get cows to eat a bit more of it? Can I can I manage my stocking rate and my feed inputs in order that the, the herd produces more from its from your, our grass resource? And if we do that, we get more profit per hectare out. Okay, so that's the relationship between grass eaten and profit is very strong. Well, as I say, it's kind of clouded by the fact that you've all this um, you've all this noise happening at farm level, which is it's understandable. You've got 17,000 managers on the, on, the, on the block there rather than, than, than just one running a trial. That's, that's, and 17,000 individual circumstances as well uh, to, to be looked at, you know. All right, look, yeah. I, just, I, I just move it on, sure, and we, we, can, we can just, I'll just give an idea, like we were looking at the question, I suppose you're coming at is really, what happens when you, do, when you have reached the point where you're sort of sitting at a cow to the acre and you're saying, well, where do we go from here? I suppose that's, that's an issue that happens and maybe that's where the drift sort of comes into, right? And maybe that's, that's one thing we're going to look at. So I'll just throw up a quick uh, case study here for a second and that'll maybe hopefully help us to have something, uh, throw, a bit of, throw a bit of light on that. So we're just looking at, uh, just a bit of a case study we looked at a couple of years ago about uh, the idea here is like a farm that's kind of sitting at average enough performance, where, what are they going to do different over the next couple of years? Will they change stock and rate? Will they improve? Uh, what's the what's the value of getting bigger or versus getting better or both? I suppose that's the question. So just bear with us for a second. They're saying, look at, let's just take this as an example farm, right? So forty five hectares with fifteen hectares of an outlock, right? Milking a hundred cows, four hundred thirteen kilos of milk solids, grazing stock in at two point two two, very close to where you might say the the average farm is. The dairy gold average is not that different to this, right? So look at more or less where where we're at. Meal is kind of three quarters of a ton, pretty standard grown about 12 tons that's your that's your setup right that's where that's where you're at okay so and um, so you can see your feed budget your grazing your grass you've got your 1.3 tons of silage being eaten over the year and three quarters of a ton of meal that's we all know farms like that okay so and that's your production how your your your, your sort of standard seasonal uh, production obviously which are which are summer with with good good production over the summer and tapering off obviously at the, at the edges, right? So um, how does that look? Your, your grazing platform basically is pretty okay. You've got your, 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 your grazing all your grass, you're making some silage at home, you're, um, you're feeding some silage, but a third of your silage is going to milking cows, two thirds of your silage is going to dry cows, there's your three quarters of a ton of meal, uh, and your outblock is pretty much in, in balance as well, right? That's the, that's the system. So you're sort, of, you're, you're sort of quite self-sufficient. So I suppose when you talk about um, you know, drift and where are you going to go? So the question are, you know, I'm going to stay as I am and, you know, make 100 cows, but feed a bit more concentrate. I'm going to maybe improve the solids by breeding and maybe improve it on grass quality. And maybe what I'm going to do is I'm going to increase the stocking rate and buy a bit of maize because I'm going to have our high silage, maybe buy maize, maybe rent a bit of land and push on. But the cows are going to stay the same, essentially. Or I'm going to try and push my grass growth increase my solids and jack up my stocking rate but on the back of extra grass growth rather than the back of extra silage bought right so i think that's a fair representation of maybe where fellas might be at or where people might be at in terms of what they're thinking so i'm i am where i am how am i going to get how am i going to maybe make a few extra cows 20 extra cows will i do it by buying silage will i do it by growing more grass will i do it will i just or will i stay as i am and just try and knock a bit more out of the cows that I, that I have right so that's the that's the system. So look, what does that mean? There's a range of things here. So remember, this is kind of 100 cows. Maybe will I push on to get the extra meal? Um, or, or you have your series of buy and feed options, or you have your sort of um, your, your, your 
improve grass growth. We can remember those things. We, we'll just come to the what we got on those in, in a second, right? So, uh, oh yeah, and we on, on that also, what we would have said is, look, we'll, if you're carrying from 100 to 125 cows, you're going to have to obviously put the facilities in place. So in, in the expansion scenarios, you're going to have to cover, you know, an extra, you're going to have to pay a bit of extra labor, you know, put in the facilities, cover the extra overhead. So the extra, there's, all, there's not just the feed budget cost, but there's also the marginal cost of carrying the extra 25 cows for the, at least for the time you're paying uh, for the extra facilities, right? So that, that has to be accounted for as well. So look at, when you add all that up, right, sir, I'm sorry for, for rushing through this quickly, but I just wanted to try and get on to, to, to the, sort of the outcome of all this. So look at, the baseline is stage R, and these are all cash margins. Uh, this is kind of cash margin per hectare at 30 cent a litre. What will happen at 30 cent a litre? So uh, at, this is kind of meal cost at 240 a tonne or 280 a tonne, right? And over here is if you're debt free. So let's say in 10 years time, when you're finished paying your, um, when you're finished paying for the extra facilities, et cetera, if you're debt free, how will it look after a while? Because people often ask that question, you know, um, sure, if once I'm paid, finished paying for the facilities, I'll have the extra cows to make. Okay, higher meal, just feeding the extra meal at 30 cents a litre, given the level of expected response, pretty much you might make 50 quid a hectare more at 240 euros a tonne, you pretty much break even at 280, right? So that's a 30 centiliter. So really saying the higher concentrate, you know, it, it give you, it'll, it'll not put a huge addition, addition in margin. However, if you take your 413 kilos of solids cow and improve the breeding on the grassland and improve the production of the cows through better cows and better grass, the difference in margin per hectare could be up to 500 euros, okay? By concentrating on better breeding and grass. If I decide, you know what, I'm going to jack up the stock and buy in silage, and I've taken silage here, meaning, you know, 68, 67, 68 DMD silage, because that's what's available to buy on the country. I don't see really high quality stuff being bought too often. If, you, if you're doing extra, just buying in silage, while you're paying for the shed, basically, you'll be down 100, 150 euros a hectare. Okay? When the shed's finished paid for and the facilities are finished paid for, the margin is just about break even, I would say. Similar with maize, um, with maize maybe the, 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 the loss at the, at the while you're painting the shed is a bit less, but a bit more of a margin in it because the quality of feed that you're buying is better. Now you have a huge number of assumptions behind this in terms of costs of all these forages, but the general trust of this is if I'm pushing up cow numbers and not improving my grass growth and relying just on bought-in silage to um, increase my profit uh, at 30 cent a litre, buying it at sort of standard enough meal prices, you're basically saying that there's no margin in it. And even when you've shed finished paying for, the margin is still small. Renting extra land uh, and doing it all yourself, uh, rather than buying it on the stem, depending on where you're at, depending on what the, what the quality of that land is and all other things, you know, th there may not be a huge margin in that either. Whereas if you were talking about improving your grass production, getting your solids up closer to 460 a cow. Uh, you know, you're basically holding your concentrate as best you can, maybe feeding a bit extra, but not a huge amount extra, but really driving it on better grass growth and uh, better cow type. The marginal benefit is up to 500 euros a hectare, but when you're debt-free, it's up to 700 euros a hectare, extra profit, right? So really, if what I'm trying to show there is, uh, Stuart, and I hope this is not, that I haven't missed the point here, but. I suppose, what are we really saying here? That's staying as you are. 
this is just driving it by extra meal and there's very the margin is relatively small doing it same as you are but improving your cows from where the dairy gold average is at the moment that could be four or five hundred euros a hectare benefit in that and it comes without a, a capital cost if i carry the extra cows and just go out and buy moderate quality silage um, i'm probably going to be down slightly in 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 um, margin while i'm paying for my facilities it'll break even once the facilities are paid for um, similarly with maize or similarly with moderate rent and moderate quality land however if i focus on improving my cows improving my grass growth uh, and doing that from within our own resources you'll probably make an extra 400 euros per hectare profit while you're uh, paying for your extra facilities and up to 700 euros extra profit per hectare um, once the sheds are paid for okay obviously at 26 centiliter there's a lot more negatives on the board and nothing really makes a whole lot of sense except for improving you know except for improving your um your, your quality of cow and obviously at 34 centiliter the margins are quite strong uh, for the for the improved uh, improved performance but at the at the even at 34 centiliter buying moderate quality silage on the stem and bringing it in to carry a few extra cows is marginal enough so that's 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 in to me that's an interesting enough way of looking at it that really you know if milk price is high the reward for technical improvement is greater rather than if milk price is high the reward for extra cows is greater you know what i'm trying to say yeah. So look, that that's so. When we talk about system drift, I suppose what we're trying to say is to people, do your sums on it. Like someone else can sit down and do these sums, and they'll come up with a different set of figures than me or something similar. But what I'm just saying is, do the sums on the extra cows, and if it pays to bring them on for how you're doing it, then you can look at it again. But the one thing we don't want people doing is just renting the extra ground for silage or just carrying the extra twenty cows or whatever it is, just for the sake of the extra twenty. And that's and the, system drift in a nutshell, really. Yeah, and the other thing, I suppose, Joe, as I said, dovetailing from what we spoke about last week on the excretion bend rates and so forth. Yeah, yeah. The, the labour element of bringing on extra land or bringing in extra facilities, and my God, there's just even greater pressure than there was before in terms of labour coming uh, now. Like, yeah. So yeah. people really do, I, I, like I suppose that was done in the context of purely just thinking about the, the future of, of your farm from the, an actual physical cow numbers and how your farm was performing. Mm. But now when you marry that to the whole potential requirement for extra storage and facilities yeah. to be added on, um, and the, the, as I said, the labour element of it, like it makes an awful lot of sense to just work very hard on improving what you have. Mm. And you'll probably make more than what you're going to make even long term doing anything else in terms of extra numbers or anything yeah and look i suppose you know we have you know i suppose at the at the back to the open this year is about there was something jumped off the board of people too that we were saying feed and half ton of concentrate was the target you know and there was a bit of discussion around that is that is that target too low and all this kind of thing and you know, the reality is that for in most cases where we're at currently most people will be sort of some something close to maybe three quarters of a ton or there or there but so 750 kilos and that's and that's fair enough but what jumped out to me on the board is that the average producer at the moment is doing 420 kilos of solids um doing 20 420 kilos of solids of 1.1 ton of concentrate and to me that's a bigger question than you know that's the reality like we're, we're talking about a target of maybe that close to half a ton but to me the bigger question for the industry is more how are we at 
how are we feeding 1.1 tons of concentrate and getting 420 kilos of milk solids as an average? That's a bigger issue for people than what we write on the board as a target. And that, that, that's slightly concerning to me that, you know, that the margin is, the margin on that, ex, you know, at that level of concentrate, there are probably farms and you know them that are at that level of concentrate, they're probably doing up to five, 35, 40 kilos of milk solids for 1.1 ton of concentrate. And it's probably profitable at that level. But the worry to me is that, you know, are we just going to sort of drift into a situation where we only discuss the marginal value of extra concentrate rather than looking at the marginal value of extra tonnage grown and extra tonnage utilised? Because it's, that's, that's the concern you'd have as we drift, you know, as, you know, as, we, as, we, as we move, you know, into a more settled situation. No. I suppose then George this is the 64 million dollar one off yeah um, like you're talking about the average herds and definitely there's big variation even across the crops in terms of that average like mm. and you, you, I do scratch my head from time to time wondering how people are actually getting by nearly with the, the level of, of solids that's been produced maybe when you see obviously if that's the average there's half of the suppliers in that crop or above that and then there's half that are below that like so um, if you if you're one of the ones now where you're feeding maybe the three quarters of a ton to a ton type um, feeding rate currently, doing a lot of the things right um, yeah. from a grass management point of view, knocking out your five thirty five forty, the risk of system drift there is yeah, it's is a good there point, also yeah. like it is it's there also um, sure that's for sure and again look I suppose for farms in that situation you still have to look at it's the exact same principle or it's the exact same uh, idea that you still have to do this, do your sums on the marginal benefit of what it is you're thinking of doing. So, you know, you take, if you want to carry a few extra cows in that situation, you still have to go back and look at what is the cost carrying those extra cows relative to the value of what you're going to, what you think you're going to put out. So it's the same principle or the same idea. You might be just using a slightly different set of sums, but just remember, like, if you're saying, I'm going to maybe carry a few extra cows, um, you're talking. It's you're still going to need. You're still going to need somewhere around five tons of um, of forage dry matter. Somewhere around that, you need to be costing in for about that much. And for most people, that's going to come in as as silage. So, you know, you're not going to have much change out of a thousand euros in extra feed costs for the forage alone for your margin cow, right? And then you put concentrate on top of that. It's at least a ton. Uh, in that situation, maybe because you're going to feed a little bit extra to every cow because you have more of them, uh, you're probably talking another 250 euros. So before you know where you are, the marginal cow, even on a high, higher performing herd, is still costing you 1200, 1250 euros in marginal feed cost, right? Then you say you put the vet and the AI on top of that and you put a few overheads on it, you're probably up to 1450, could be up to 1500 euros of marginal. Um, of, of, of marginal cost per, per extra cow over and above what you can carry yourself. And then you make your decision then say, well, what's the, what's the, in, what's the income of my cows relative to that cost? And take your labor and your overheads out of it. And if you're left with 300 euros after that, and you're happy to take 300 euros for that, then that's your own business and that's your own decision. But all we are trying to say is that we, I think people shouldn't walk headlong into carrying the extra cows just because they feel that they can. They should do it on the back of having um, done the sums on it, and do the sums on, and be realistic with our, you know, be really be realistic with yourself. But uh, we've done this sum with lots of herds. You're talking pretty much twelve hundred euro as a starting point, um, 
per extra cow, for, on feed cost per extra cow, which sounds huge, like because you're looking at your profit monitor, right? And you're seeing, I'm spending, let's say you're spending 250 euros per cow on, on the feed cost. And you're thinking, yeah, that's, that's fair enough. But that's the feed cost of the cows you have already. That's different than the feed cost it's going to be for the cows you're, you're planning to carry. And I suppose if we could just get that, if we could get every farm that's thinking of doing something different or carrying extra numbers, just think about the margin cost versus the margin revenue. And then it's up to everybody then to decide what they want to do after that. If somebody wants to milk 10 extra cows or 300 euros a cow extra, that's their own choice. You know, within obviously the limits of, of nitrates and all the rest of it. But that's their own. We're not telling anyone, you know, what's an acceptable margin. We're saying just do your sums on it before you decide to tie yourself in to a more intensive um, situation. That's all. Yeah, so I think um, a very important point, Joyce, is, 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 as we kind of said at the outset, we're kind of coming to a tricky period maybe where people have to really sit yeah. down and consider where they are at. Like, and um, yeah, there is, like, we're not, as you said, we're not actually trying to dissuade people from having stock or we're not telling people to get no. rid of stock. But there could be justification for getting rid of some. Uh, and also just like you could but you could equally just as well all the numbers that you have but you can do a lot of things yes. a lot better and actually make a lot of money without any investment absolutely and sure there are farms out there that would benefit from more cows yes you know and I, to be realistic like we're, there are farms out there maybe that are at a different stage of development and i give some sympathy for you know some sympathy for those to, you know, typically maybe a farm maybe that might be maybe a younger person coming back and taking over from, you know, taking over from the parents or whatever, and the farm is at a certain scale, and now they're in a situation where maybe they're relatively lowly stocked. And in that situation, they might benefit from more cows. And they need to be, they need to look at that too and do their sums on that. But that's going to be up to a certain point. Then there are other farms possibly that are maybe lacking in storage, that are always under pressure for silage, that are under pressure for labour. Maybe there's 20 cows or so in a standard size here. Maybe there's 20 cows too many. And maybe they should be selling 20. You know, so that's what we're trying. To, there's no one answer that can cover all the circumstances out there. So that's we're just encouraging people to take a, take a beat, think about this stuff, um, do, or, do some sums. And like our advisor there to help people do them sums uh, and get a plan together that makes sense for everybody in the business, like you know, rather than just saying, "Well, you know what? I could squeeze twenty more cows in here, and it would, it would, I can do it by renting some ground a few miles down the road." That's we just want that. We just want, I suppose, we don't want people drifting into the assumption that a few extra cows, based on a notion and a notional stocking rate, that it's going to be beneficial for them, because oftentimes it is. But we do have to remember there are other farms at different stages of development. It might need a few extra cows to pay the bills as well, and they can't be forgotten about either. Yeah, so I suppose I just encourage people to put in some questions there if they if they want to um, ask them because it's, you're very quiet normally. There's something happening; you're even stunned into silence, Joe. Um, but I suppose it's it's the big emphasis that we're trying to make here, um, and what yourself and Padraig were trying to make at the board as well is that there's an awful lot of room for improvement on the existing cows within the herd and mm. you go back to that um you say that kind of brainstorming figure that you showed at the start like there's like the recent figures for 2021 calving shows i think 67 or 8 percent six week calving right now or uh, mm. so we've moved up quite a lot in the last number of years yeah still a long way off of industry target of 90 and like it's all those factors that are contributing to that 420 for 25 kgs of milk solids and that people by 
maybe getting rid of some of those later calving cows that have been held on to for years and years and getting bringing in heifers that are going to do longer lactations. You could push up your kilos of milk solids. Uh, and as, as we are, we're kind of just advocating that people try to do things better before they go getting bigger, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Look, at, this is a good time of the year to have this discussion, Stuart. It's coming into a quieter time of the year, hopefully, for people. There's time to sit and think about things a little bit. You've got decisions around culling. You've got decisions now around, you know, housing stock and the, pr- the pressure of feedstocks and the pressure of housing and slurry storage comes into some sort of focus this time of the year because you're planning into the winter time. And you're also thinking about next spring um, as well in terms of the workload and the facilities and all the rest of it. So really, you know, I suppose what we should be asking people to do is think about, you know, what is the right number of cows for the farm you have? And then when you have the right number of cows, have you got the best cows possible to fill those slots? Do you know what I mean? And there's time now to maybe look at that. Even your milk recording, go back and look at the lower end of the milk recording of your, there might be some mature cows there that are only doing, they'll be doing less than the herd average, obviously. They might only be returning you 340, 350 kilos of milk solids for the year. And you have to ask the question, are they worth renting land to be keeping them? Do you know, because, you know, you should do your sums based on the worst of the herd because those are the ones you're going to get rid of. Do you know what I mean? Uh, that's all we're asking people to do is sit down, Look at your figures, look at your numbers. The solutions for every farm will be somewhat different because everyone's situation is different. But it's a legitimate question to ask, you know, how many, what's the right number of cows to be milking for the farm next year? And if that number is lower than what you're milking this year, maybe the solution is to sell a, sell a few. Yeah, so they're, they're starting to come now. <laughs> um, so okay. just the first, I suppose I'll take the second one first. Um, Luke Casey is just making the point that there's a lot of uncertainty with regard to capping of cow numbers and nitrates quotas, yeah, etc. Yeah. at the moment. And is that contributing to increasing stocking rates in the short term, maybe? Uh, have it, you talked yeah, that? Yeah, look, it possibly is, Luke. It possibly is. But it's, it's you know, I've seen it, you know, something similar uh, over a couple of years. I've seen some good farms sort of existing for five years overstocked on the assumption that they were trying to set up a second unit or something like that. And they, yeah. were always, they were always living for this thing that was going to come down the line. And they ran the farm at a marginal, they ran the farm at less, less than the optimum stocking rate for a number of years until they said, you know what, um, yeah, we, we probably need to adjust this again. But I, I do take your point on that, that people are maybe stacking a little bit to try and in, in, in case of... Um, you know, in, 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 in case something changes. But I would make just one maybe point to the contrary on that. It's amazing what a small percentage extra in cow numbers can do to issues with storage, issues with silage availability, issues with labour and stock. And it, it could be as little as the last five or six percent can make the pre- can put the pressure on. So I, I take the phrase, the phrase that Strada brought the camels back. Yeah. Absolutely, because you think about, I was thinking about this the other day, actually, um, I'd reason to be thinking about this, about culling, you know, four or five cows, and I was thinking, you know what, culling four or five cows early is the same as, it's enough silage for maybe 80 cows for a week. It's all putting it into context. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you, yeah. sold, if you sold four or five culls a bit earlier in the year, that they're gone before you house, like, it, maybe my son's around, but I kind of came up with a figure in my head, thinking, geez, that's going to, that means that if, the, if we were under pressure for silage next spring, that's a week's feeding for 80 or 90 cows. Like. Yeah. 
which is amazing to think about. So that's just running four pulls down the lane a month earlier, and you're saying, well, that can have a big effect on the overall feed budget. It's that kind of stuff, you know, that we just need to get fellas thinking of. We did. Sorry, yeah. Stuart. Yeah. So, so there's just one one more question for you then, and then a very valid point, I think, which we'll make and which will kind of sum it all up very yeah. uh, nicely, I think. So Mike Birmingham's just asking, um, in terms of the break-even milk solids per cow, should that be something that people should be looking at and making their decisions on that basis? Yeah, no question, Mike. It's a very good, a very good point. I, you know, I wouldn't argue with that whatsoever. And that's why, look, at, it's why, you know, why we really need to sort of get people looking at their, their sort of, essentially looking at a profit monitor figure, really, or looking at the figures per cow and what the cost per cow are and the output per cow is and looking at where your, your break-even milk price is. There's no question about that. Very hard to make these decisions in the absence of good, um, good, good physical financial data. So I would agree. I would agree fully. And I know it was something that lads looked at last week with our own advisors on on, on certain farms. And it, it, it's it's a, it's a sum and an issue that does need more attention. I, I would certainly say, yeah. Stuart, yeah, one. Yeah, Wait, no there, question. Another question actually has just come in, uh, Joe, and it's worth um, throwing it out there because I'm sure it's something that's exercising people's minds. All right, so Jan Custom is just saying, is there any research done on, on reducing nitrogen usage and reduction on grass output and hence the effect on stocking rate? On reducing nitrogen? Yeah, we say what we say. Obviously, we're looking into ten percent reduction next yeah, year. Yeah. Is, what, what's that going to do to grass growth on farms, and is there going to be an impact on stocking rate as a result of it then? There could be, yeah, and that's a, it is a very good point. Look at the, the nitrogen document that's um, it's on the Chagas website that's, that Pat Dillon and his team put together covers that. And Lawrence Lou did a nice model, and Elodie did a nice job on, on modeling that scenario out. And certainly, you know, certainly a, 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 just a headline reduction in fertilizer nitrogen in the absence of changing anything else. Is is the risk with that is that there's a, it's likely to lead to a deficiency or a deficit in, in maybe winter forage stocks, Stuart. You know, so there's it's there is a response to nitrogen, and obviously that response is not linear, but you know, up to the levels that's been spread, uh, certainly there's a response to it. There's a reason the nitrogen is spread. So certainly, you know, you're, you're looking at um, you're, you're looking at the risk in. If, if 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 the only thing that changes is nitrogen application rate on farms, you're likely to have lower grass growth. So this, the grass stock carrying capacity of farms will be dropped. And what we've seen over the years, what happens in that situation is that just creates a bigger demand for conacre and a bigger demand for buying silage on the stem, which adds cost to the system. There's no, no doubt about that. So that's really, you know, that's really why the focus on clover has come into such sharp focus, really, is that that's a means of to, to at least partially offsetting the, the losses, the, the, the reductions in, in chemical end. But yeah, definitely an issue that, you know, if your stock carrying capacity goes down, I'd say what more people will end up doing is buying more silage than reducing cow numbers. That's what will happen in the industry, of course. That's yeah. the risk, of course, yeah. But people, yeah, yeah. if people adapt, then obviously better yeah. use the slurry and uh, better use the slurry and better management the grass too. So for sure. But, you, but, just, I, but if it's the only issue, if it's the only thing that changes, Sure, there's a risk, there's a big risk there. I think definitely, um, definitely the, the Pat Dillon's report and the, 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 the Chagas team report overall that you know there was numerous centers involved in that, but that was one of the key issues that was highlighted actually. That if the only thing that changes is, is a reduction in fertilizer, in uh, it, it, it might have um, it could have it could have you know negative effects. There's you need to look at the clover in, in, in tandem with that for sure, you know. 
Yeah, so I suppose um, what you, we'd be just encouraging people are to, to not be too worried about it at the same mm. time that like that 10% oh, yeah. reduction is quite attainable on a lot of farms without having any major impact in reality. Yeah, it doesn't mean a 10% reduction in cows. I would be taking that as almost, it's related, but a separate issue to the idea of trimming out the least productive part of the herd to, to make the thing a wee bit more sustainable, for sure. Yeah. Okay, and as I said, uh, there's one point came in here, and I think it sums it all up very well, so thanks to Martin DC for it. So Martin's comment is that I think information is the key, milk recording, grass measuring to know where you stand. And that's that pretty much sums up what you've spent the, the yeah. last 30, 40 minutes talking about. Yeah, and I would say to add to that, it's very, uh, thanks for that, because it's a, it's a very good point, but I do think also a good handle on your, good handle on your cost of production is needed as well. To make those decisions uh, really come to life okay and that's where that's where we have to really you know get the focus back on this stuff with our with our with our clients and with our groups it's there anyway and it's been worked at but it's just that it's a it's a new angle maybe to be to be looking at it that um animals. yeah yes i suppose the final thing then joe is this, if something isn't broken don't go trying to fix it basically isn't that if yeah, you're running don't, a yeah, good operation exactly. don't, don't go messing at it we sort of said it as a we said it almost in jest but in in half serious as well Stuart, on the on the board at the open days that you know boredom is a danger in dairy farming i know because some people i know that have really done a great job over the years they've worked damn hard to get the thing into a situation where it runs very, very well, and everything is just nice and humming, and the thing runs really well. But there's always a natural inclination and a natural curiosity for people to want to change and improve something, or in, increase the scale of it, or change something for the sake of changing it. You know, all we're saying is, you know, do your sums before changing something for the to, to see what happens. Do your, your sums will, will will tell you a lot. Okay, I better close, sure. Yeah, very good. So thanks a million, okay. Joe, and uh, thanks to everyone for tuning in today. And we'll be back next week. We'll be starting our focus on uh, drawing off for the, over the next number of weeks. So we look forward to seeing you then. And uh, in the meantime, stay, stay safe. Thanks very much. That's all for this week's Let's Talk Dairy webinar series. And don't forget to look out for more bonus episodes each week. I'll be back with our usual Dairy Edge interview on Monday, so do listen in then. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey, and thanks for listening.